This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. Episode two of the official Bedford Blues Podcast. It's me, Sam Roberts. Delighted you were here. And alongside me are two Bedford Blues players desperate to make their debut on the pod. They uh, are both backs, one new and one slightly older in terms of blues experience, but both of the story to tell, I am sure. Please welcome onto the pod, fly half Sam Leeming and winger Pat Tapley. Hello, chaps. Hello. We are once again being hosted by one of Bedford's more wonderful venues. We're at the Embankment on the river, and this is a really lovely place to come and meet and have a coffee or a meal, or even stay a night or two. Uh, Pat, I reckon you must have been in here enjoying yourself I'm, at some stage I'm in your sure, blues career. I'm sure there's been one or two uh, <laughs> evenings spent in the Embankment, I believe. Sam, have you, have you graced this place uh, previously? Uh, yeah, we had a, a pre-season meal here. Um, pre-season a couple of weeks back which is very enjoyable lunch and then a few beers afterwards so yes lovely outside with the next to the river so, yeah. the embankment definitely is a lovely part of Bedford is it not? it's probably the loveliest part of Bedford now chaps I, I bring you to one of uh, the better places to enjoy a coffee in Bedford but unfortunately I'm going to have to start off uh, on quite a serious note. It is never easy being a professional sportsman, but it is perhaps most difficult when results are not going your way. Three games for Bedford Blues so far this season, three losses, two of those at home. Have you had time as an individual uh, or as a squad to try and start to unpack the way that things have started? If we were going to, if we could just choose whether we are going to win and lose a game, we'd win all of them. Um, it's just not the way sport goes. There have been positives. That's the main thing. We're always going to look at what's good from a game and try and focus on that mainly. And then you look at the negatives and what you can do to correct them. And fortunately, a lot of the negatives are what we think are quite easy fixes. Things like giving away 15 plus penalties. It's always going to be difficult to win a game when you do things like that. So that's one of the main things we're going to have to look at improving in the coming weeks. And hopefully that will maybe change the results. Um, but as for positives, the way that we play. Show you the last 20 minutes of games where we start. Like, it looks like we panicked and suddenly think, oh, we need to get back into this game, and it's a bit too late, unfortunately. But um, if we can defend and not give penalties away for that first 60 minutes and stay within the game, I think there's not a team that can live with us with the pace that we can inject into the final 20. Yeah, it's just focus on doing something more to keep it closer if we are going to be losing a game so that we can steal it at the end. Sam, as regards your position, uh, there is an element of um, responsibility that comes with playing at fly half. Does that make losing harder to take? I think, uh, I suppose, yeah, I suppose nines and tens, uh, potentially some of the leaders in the, in the pack have a certain amount of responsibility and accountability to uh, to say to say what's uh, what's gone wrong after the game. Um, but like Pat said, I think uh, the the errors and, and the work ons have been quite quite clear cut. I think, and uh, that's given us a real good focus in training over the past two weeks, um, and hopefully boys will sort of get around that, and uh, and uh, we're on the way to fixing those problems um, because we know that you know we we can cause carnage and chaos, and uh, really get going when when the play's a little bit, a little bit broken up, and if we can hold it together, you know, in, in the tight tight quarters, um, we can unleash our, our deadly finishers and our, our speedsters out of the back there. So, are there are there people who are better within the team at losing than, than are there people you go? Oh, don't go near him, he's really, really bad at it. Or, or are, there, are there other people? I mean, talk, talk to me about how as a team you lose. I mean, I think I have quite a good outlook on, I mean, 
every game there's a winner and a loser apart well, obviously if there's a draw bet technically um, no there isn't uh, I mean you, you are going to lose games no one's spent their whole career and won every game so at the end of the day you have to learn to lose and I know you touched upon it with Josh and uh, Lewis last time and uh, about the mental aspect of that and definitely some people can wake up the next day and it's all in the past as in they're not um, panicking or fretting over what they did wrong um, and I think I'm one of those people I think I can walk off that pitch as long as you put 100% effort in at the end of the day it's only a game and you just got to go out the next week and try and win again the next game that the Blues have got is away but it's at Yorkshire Carnegie who have been notably struggling a little bit and it's a fresh start it's it's the league that starts does does that mentally change anything is is that an element has that come up in conversation so far no, no it hasn't really has it it's um we've we know we've yeah we ourselves have struggled a little bit in certain areas of our game over the past you know two three games so for us it's really um not start fresh for us we've got stuff to work on and we want to put it to practice and we know um you know everyone's got confidence that we can um yeah score some fantastic tries you know look at last season and uh you know we've retained some fantastic players this season um so we know we can put that to them um and it's about yeah fixing those little little things that we know we've got to get right and uh yeah playing our game really so you don't think at all about leads and, and what they've come up against does that does that not make you go oh well this this is a positive this is this is a positive step or would you not think like that I mean because again this is explaining it to people who don't play is there a mentality at all of looking at who you're playing against or is it just about yourselves we definitely look at who we're playing but the, the worst thing we could do is as a collective look look at Leeds and them struggling and think oh it's going to be an easy this could be an easy game for us to win like who knows who even might be starting for them this week <laughs> like that is one of the other things they could have a completely different 15 so we, we can look into how they played and what they've been doing but I mean they're still going to have individuals on that field that are game changers like Vandell I mean the name speaks for itself so they are they have got players that can win games for them so I think it's more important for us to look at ourselves what we've done right what we've done wrong and implement how we're going to take that to Yorkshire and if we get it all right it doesn't matter who's there or what team it is we can beat them so that's the mentality yeah with with all analysis um, throughout the season you'll you pick up little trends um, throughout teams um, but I think yeah, early season um, and obviously it's a new, new opponent you know it's, it's quite fresh so I think everyone you know will have a game plan that we'll, we'll, we'll stick to um, you know potentially adjust throughout the game but it's, it's mainly about us you know uh, this early in the season this is Grill with Will, 20 questions with James Lennon. Nickname? Jiffy. Position? Scrum off. Left or right? Left. Light blue or dark blue? Light blue. Flowers or chocolates? Chocolates. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. In or out? In. Coffee or tea? Tea. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Hugs or kisses? Kisses. Bits or no bits? Bits. Rock or wall? Rock. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson? Johnny Wilkinson. Red or brown? Red. Deal or no deal? Deal. Christmas or birthday? Christmas. Morning or evening? Morning. Nike or Adidas? Adidas. One on one, Mike or Deborah? Deborah.
Let's talk about the Rugby World Cup. Let's try and focus a little bit on some other rugby that's going on. Well, we, we sit here um, with news that England, France has been cancelled and the possibility of uh, Scotland and Japan also going the same way, which uh, is a whole different topic. I'm not going to ask you about that because I think that would be a little bit unfair, but I'm going to talk to you about the Rugby World Cup. First question is, because I know not all rugby players do, have you been watching it? Pat? I have not really watched much at all. I mean, I watched the highlights of games that um especially the Wales games because it's who I follow but um the time that the games are on at the moment I'm at school anyway so I can't watch them and uh when I get home I don't put my time isn't allocated to watching 80 minutes of the World Cup unfortunately are, are you a good rugby watcher anyway because I mean that, that's a genuine question of, of rugby players or whatever some are some some watch it some actually can't stand it I wouldn't say I can't stand it it's just I it's just not high on my agenda of things that I want to do in my spare time. I mean, the rugby that I do watch, I watch a lot of the NRL. I find it far more entertaining as a game to watch. Um, I played so much and I, my life is so like, revolves around rugby that the time that I have off between school and everything else that I do, I don't fill it with more rugby. <laughs> Sam, are you the same or are you different? A little bit different. I think um, I think a few of the boys know by now. I'm a little bit, a little bit of a Norse yeah. <laughs> um, with regards to with regards to code. So um, no, I like to keep up with it. I think uh, yeah, I do enjoy watching a good game. I was just saying before, I caught up with the Fiji uh, Wales game yesterday, and that was a that was a great spectacle. Watch offloading in there. Yeah, attractive brand of rugby, which, which I enjoy looking at. Has there been anyone that sort of caught your eye, Sam? I won't ask the same of you, Pat. Um, but is there any, is there anyone that in particular? I mean, it doesn't have to be uh, from England. It could be from, from anywhere. Is, is there any any particular player you thought? Oh, I, I'll have to watch out for him a bit more. I suppose we yeah we spoke about Semi Rodvada yesterday. He was uh, very uh, useful in both attack and defence, nailing uh, Liam Williams. Which is which was uh, which is fascinating. He was dotting around all over the place. And as regards England in the Rugby World Cup, I mean, they've now had this opportunity in which to, to rest up this weekend. And do you feel that they've been sort of had the right amount of testing? Because I think even Eddie Jones himself would be slightly worried about heading into those sort of knockout phases against some of those big uh, Southern Hemisphere teams without having come against someone who's who's really tested them. Is that a line of thought valid? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they, yeah, they, they made. I think they made it quite hard work against um, Argentina. Um, they played a lot of territory, a lot of kicking, a lot of their kicking game was their game plan. Um, so I think, yeah, it wasn't wasn't really a close counter. I think if they did have one of them in a group stage, say it was against France, I think that would have been uh, very beneficial. You know, they could have reviewed that and, and gone on with. But you look at Wales yesterday, who didn't perform particularly well, but it was still a great test for them to come back and, and seal off the game. Um, which is, which is, I think, is, it would be very valuable for them um, going forward. They're always asking for more, um, but yeah, they've got to get on with them. I think they've they have prepared well, um, even though they might not have been tested at, um, in the games. I think they have, yeah, they've shown that they've, they're all you know, pretty fit and, and can deal with the conditions out there, especially. Um, and uh, whoever they play in the, the quarterfinal will be interesting. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about Wales because um, they were tested, they came through against Fiji pretty well. They've got to get past Uruguay, but then they win their group. How far can Wales go? Can they win the World Cup? I hope so. Um, 
my mum and dad are actually going to watch the Uruguay game there in uh, Tokyo at the moment and their flight down to that has been postponed as well so now they have to get the train there and stuff so I hope they beat Uruguay for my dad's sake because he's not got, he's not seen them play it in the World Cup before and he's flown all the way to Japan so he goes to okay. I know, I think Good. he got the Uruguay game as well because I think he just wanted to see them win so, like, fingers crossed for him that it well, comes you were quite, yeah. quite good against Fiji I mean this yeah. is the worry isn't it for the yeah. Welsh uh, but there you go once you go through to knockout stages I mean it's it's such a different ball game when you have to win every one like we said we were talking about at the beginning winning and losing you don't get you don't get another week if you lose after when you go through to the quarters so everything has to be right that first time round so it just depends on who gets through and what positions and then just turning up on that one day well that one day three times and <laughs> you lift the trophy it sounds so easy I doesn't know. it <laughs> it's broken down like that this is the Bedford Blues podcast this is Chat in a Hat Joe Rafter and Grayson Hart Pull questions from a hat. Who has impressed you most with what they've accomplished? Impressed me most? Just in life, in general? I think so, yeah. <sighs> well, I'm a big fan of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. I reckon he's the man. He, yeah. He's like a wise and enlightened guy, you know, and he sort of unified a nation yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, non-violently as yeah, well, yeah. which is yeah. pretty bloody amazing. Um, you know... Guys like that fascinate me, yeah. um, but also just people who are really content with life, much like yourself, just enjoy yeah. life, Got the good little time, things yeah. in life, love a bit of footy, yeah, that's it. love a date or two, that's it. Got a bit of Netflix, Netflix you know, and chill. I think in life we get bloody brainwashed that you've got to live some big extravagant life. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm inspired by people that just really enjoy life. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's it, you know. Because yeah. you can see, I, I've seen a whole lot of people who have all these fancy things and go on holidays but they seem a lot of them oh, yeah, not, not happy, happy. Not happy. so I'm inspired by people that just really enjoy, enjoy it yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right I'm going to uh, switch and talk about a subject that I think uh, both of you uh, Pat Tapley and Sam Lim will be able to uh, talk about with some strong insight and that is the role of rugby and indeed sport, if we want to widen it a little bit further, within a community. And as a way of starting things off, um, I'm going to ask you where you both sort of started playing rugby and, and how did that community that you grew up in sort of manifest itself and, and, and how did it represent itself at that club? And, and then subsequently we'll talk about sort of uh, the way Better Blues works as a, as a community sort of uh, focus. Um, Pat, you first. Where, where did you first uh, start playing rugby? So I grew up in Newmarket and uh, my dad took me across, across to the rugby club which was literally on the school field that backed onto our house so we climbed through the fence on a Sunday morning um, showed up and asked uh, where do the, he's like five years old what age group and they're like oh that'd be under sixes and they were like oh we don't actually have a coach for under sixes yet and so my dad became the coach of the under sixes there and then um, and he then coached me through every age group up until under 16s so I mean I was there I missed no no games no training no, no anything and then um, as I started getting older obviously my dad um, became treasurer and fixture secretary and all sorts of other jobs around 
that people need they need people to do. Um, and then once I te- I think I played my first men's yeah. game when I was 17. Um, and then when I went into the first team, he was the second team coach, and I was playing for the first team. So I mean, Newmarket Rugby Club, I owe a lot to because I just grew up in what is a very classic rugby environment: tiny little clubhouse, tiny little changing rooms, like all of the classic what uh, people imagine when they think of uh, rugby. Um, yeah, very very old school. Um, it's why I still enjoy the game now and what Bedford Blues reflects of that sort of old school environment I can see it from how I've grown up and played rugby so that's why I enjoy it so much As an aside how difficult is it being coached by your dad because I mean there are a few well known father and son sort of uh, roles Um, how did you cope with it or should I say how did your dad cope with it I mean I I never really saw of it. I saw it as my dad because he, he just did it for so for so long, and I was from such a young age. I couldn't imagine being coached by someone else because it was always my dad that was the coach. I mean, he definitely was harder on me than other people because he didn't want anyone to ever think that oh, I was doing something because oh, his dad is Paul Tapley. So he gave me, um, well, he didn't give me any leeway. So. I enjoyed it though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, you're from uh, a little bit of a, a rugby belt up in the northeast, which um, I know has a number of different rugby clubs. Talk us through where you first started playing. Yes, yeah, so I started off at uh, Darlington RFC um, in the northeast of England. Great part of, great part of the UK, my favourite. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and for clarity's sake, there, there are two clubs up there. There's Darlington RFC and, there, and then there's Malden Park as well. Yeah, so Malden Park was the, the fierce rivals at that age. Um, and there was a, a definite divide between some of my mates going to Malden and then some, some going to the original Darlington RFC. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know, it's just a bad Yeah, we dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> just dropped that in it definitely was. Still, still works. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a bit of a split. and um, But we had a, a great group of us who again similar to Pat under sixes I think first went down my old, old man took me down there and um, yeah started played all through I think started on the wing and then slowly moved my way uh, to fly half and then um, yeah when I went to um, a senior school at, at Barnard Castle um, playing on Saturday and Sunday was was a little bit too much so just decided to, to stick with the school stuff and um, so yeah I eventually left Darlington RFC uh, I think maybe under, under 10s under 11s but within that community, there was probably six, six or seven of us um, who did the rugby club and then played the dance cricket club as well. And a few of us did athletic stuff as well at the Eastbourne um, the local centre as well. So there's a fantastic group of us who didn't always go to school together. Some of us went to primary school together um, that all the way through and we're still mates now, which is, um, which is a real nice sort of yeah, community, I suppose. It's an incredible joiner, isn't it, sport? It's an incredible sort of bringer together. And you both talk very fondly about that sort of... Um, gift that sport gives you the way that it is actually able to give you an identity how, how early on did you recognise an identity a, a place to go and belong in, in the sort of clubs that you were growing up in again from, from under sixes under sevens uh, you know doing, doing rugby on the Saturday uh, in, the, in the winter and then uh, cricket in the summer um, and like I said there's a, there a good group of mates of us and uh yeah, I just remember enjoying it from a young age. Um, no matter what the weather was, you know, on the rugby field, getting you know, real muddy, um, which was always good fun with your mates. Um, and then, yeah, playing cricket. Um, I think it was two overs each you batted at that age. Um, and uh, yeah, just just real enjoyment. And um, yeah, appears to go on Saturday. Obviously, it was always sport on the Saturday, which which my dad didn't mind doing. So um, obviously, he, he was big on sport himself. So um, just real enjoyment about it. And uh, again, 
having real good bonds with, with, the, with the friends that I'm playing with. It's hard to say what I, who I'd be if I if I that wasn't the path that I went down because I've done it for my whole life. I couldn't imagine it being anything different. I was just a part of who I am essentially. Do you, do you think rugby? because of the way and I've, I've heard this said before and, and let me try and explain it in the best possible way but because of the way that the sport works in so much as you're kind of bringing 15 people of varying degrees of size and shape and skill set do you think it kind of works especially well within community definitely I've, I've got a few mates that are non-sporting mates and they can't really relate to you know, this team team spirit team environment whatever you want, you want to call it that we come together we train most of the week and then we play on a Saturday and I, I'm yeah I suppose it's we're all real lucky to have that um, sense of purpose sense of um, togetherness you know we've all, we all got one goal to win on the Saturday um, and it's enjoying the process of training the week and, and trying to deliver a performance but um, uh, yeah it's, uh, I'm certainly incredibly lucky to be part of it um, and yeah, I, I think that sense of purpose and everyone's driving forward and having fun and enjoyment at the same time. Um, especially here at Bedford, it's um, been a bit of a change for me, and that enjoyment has really come out. Um, and it's a fantastic environment to be in. Pat, you spent a year away from Bedford. How easy was it for you to take uh, or to use rugby as a way of getting into a community? Well, Sam's also played in Australia as well, so he'll vouch, he'll, yeah, he'll vouch for me that. Australia, especially in the Sydney Shoot Shield stuff, they have got it nailed down on how to bring a community together around a rugby club. Like, um, I played for Moringa um, on the Northern Beaches, and the, the, for a game day, they have four games going from the like, fourth grade all the way up to the first grade. And sometimes fifth, we'll sometimes fifth will play like, at like something like eight o'clock yeah. in the morning. They kick off. Is <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard this before. They they play all on the same day, yeah. all on the same yeah. pitch. Some, some do some play on have like an alternate pitch and then second so, first grade so play. let me just get this picture right there is a fifth team which I mean I'm assuming consists of people a little bit like me who perhaps are, should oh, know yeah, better yes. uh, alright not so past the heyday hey <laughs> I never had a heyday yeah. they're playing at 8 o'clock in the morning yeah. I think it's something, it's something. I think it might be 8 o'clock meet for an 8.15 kick off or something like that but, and then those people and then some of them will still be there but the, the uh, in the clubhouse after uh, the first grade of play. Do they start? Do they start drinking early in the morning? Yes, yeah. It's in, it's in, we're in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm just trying to get my head around the fact that then they continue to drink throughout the day until the first play. Yeah, and they'll have they'll have food on there. It's a, it's a whole day event. Yes, it's a very enjoyable uh, place to when 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 you have the what come first grade or second grade when you've got three teams and the opposition teams and then all the supporters that come and watch it's the, the gathering and um, for a club especially it's, uh, it's special isn't it it's yeah. you know, barbecues and yeah everyone just uh, enjoying, the, enjoying the sun and uh, enjoying the rugby so what you're saying is that Bedford needs to pull his finger out and get a bit more rugby on at Goddington Road is that what you're saying? I don't know if they'll let anyone else on that pitch before us I think they do a pretty good job well let's, let's talk about it because we, we just experienced one of our better community days um, I don't know how many ladies days you've had Pat but a fair few you're a veteran of a ladies day uh, if I can use that word uh, Sam it was your first one so perhaps we have a different view I mean it is a special occasion it is a special day Result aside, yeah. it, it, it is about bringing people together, and certainly if you were in the marquee after the game, you would have seen a lot of people together. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it, I haven't had one that I've not enjoyed yet so far, <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, it's great just to see. That's still you're still going to the marquee. You see yeah. everyone in there. Result aside, you can still have a chat with people, and it's good for it brings in people on that day that maybe wouldn't necessarily go along every Saturday. I mean, like, even from the school that I work in, a few of the teachers came along to it, and um, they don't have any clue about rugby at all, but they had said to me when I came in on Monday that they had a fantastic time. So it's a way of introducing people maybe to the club in an environment that is maybe more appeasing ladies day so it doesn't seem so overly macho or whatever you want to think of a rugby environment um, yes it's a great day and, I mean anyone that listens to this in Bedford that hasn't been to a ladies day should definitely go to ladies day <laughs> and, and Sam as, as, as regards our first occasion I mean I, I can sense that you're quite smitten with Bedford anyway but did it I'm just thinking of the marquee after the game. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Some, some, some of the ladies in there were a little bit worse for wear. But um, did it did it make you think? Ah, even more. Ah, this is this is a place that uh, that has got a few things right. Yeah, definitely. You talk about you know in, in Sydney and how they the atmosphere around the game. But you know, you go into that marquee, uh, especially after Saturday. You know, even after a pretty tough game, and uh, yeah, it's a good vibe and, and makes us feel you know players you know all at home and uh, yeah it's an occasion isn't it and people people come to to enjoy the day it's not just the game and um, you know they had you know they had all the tables you know pre pre-game um, it was all busy you know me, me and Dean had a bit of an interview beforehand um, with all the all the tables beforehand having a bit of a meal um, but yeah it's fantastic and we raised a, a fair bit of money as well at the same time which is great. Uh, is there anything else that the club should should be sort of responsible for within within the community? I think Bedford did making the head in the right direction anyway with all the community stuff the Bedford Blues community project and going into schools and stuff because it's it's definitely having an impact I mean with the Guard of Honor you can see local rugby clubs coming bringing their youth teams down and stuff like that and uh, speaking about the school that I work in I see more of those kids down there now than ever before so it's obviously heading in the right direction it's just keep pushing that um, that way of thinking of, uh, trying to bring in the younger children from different rugby clubs maybe not necessarily just inside Bedford and getting them involved in the Blues yeah it's been even today uh, within the community we had a bit of a um, mental, world mental health day today and we were in uh, Harper Square um, showing our face and having a bit of a chat to some of the stores and some of the different charities that are helping you know, people with mental health and I think even yeah, even just showing our faces there and getting involved and, and helping out and making a bit of a buzz um, was really beneficial to, to those people um, and like Pat says with the community stuff we had a um, the first sort of blues blues day and you know it was anywhere from under under six or sevens to under fourteens around that day and uh, you'll see them and they're proud to wear the, the Bedford Blues shirt and to have I suppose with role models for them um, is really important for them and they, they see us play on the Saturday and they want to wear that shirt and uh, and play when, whenever they play. So um, yeah really important to, to have that exposure um, and uh, yeah, I certainly wear, wear their boost kit and show us with, with pride and uh, show the people what, what, we're, what we're doing. Uh, one of the players, uh, Grayson Hart for Ladies Day, uh, managed to do something strange to his hair and we can actually have an interview with him right now and uh, you, you'll join me in the centre of town. Here you go. 
So I'm off to go and find someone a little bit special having something strange done to their hair. Well, if you want something done to your hair, one of the best places in Bedford to come is Fifth Avenue Hair and Beauty Spa. And we're going to go and find out who is in here. And uh, as I walk in, they're all hard at work. And it's Kerry Cash, wonderful Kerry Cash. Hello, Kerry. Um, Now, you are a big part of what we do with Ladies' Day. One of the chaps here is all about Ladies' Day. But explain why it is that you give so much of your time and so much of your effort to Ladies' Day at Bedford Blues? Well, Sam, I think it's so important um, for us all to be working together in our town centre. Um, over the past eight years, it gives us, uh, as a salon, a link with Bedford College, as in Brooks, um, Hair and Beauty, um, and the opportunity for us to actually recruit new therapists in the new year. Um, so it's all very exciting stuff and raising uh, money uh, for Macmillan at the same time. Um, with regards to the students, they've just literally started uh, their training last week. So with the date being brought forward, um, we have got a little challenge on our hands as these uh, girls have never painted a nail before. Um, but they are doing tremendously well. And tonight we have our final session with them um, just to get them up to scratch so they're ready for the marquee on Saturday. And above all else, it's great fun, Ladies Day, isn't it? All those girls getting together. Rugby kind of almost becomes a, a background issue. It's all about getting the ladies of Bedford together. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, I agree. Even our clients have um, even our clients have been coming into the salon this week because they come along to the marquee and they really look forward to having their nails painted. So, uh, yeah, just great atmosphere all round. Kerry, you're an absolute superstar. Can I go and see who we've got back here? Absolutely. Are you going to find him? I'm going to find him. Has he wandered off? Where is he? Where is he normally sat? Has he gone, has he gone in here? Here he is, over here, having, having his head painted. We'll talk about that in a little moment. It's Grayson Hart. Hello, Grayson. How are you? I'm very well. It's good to be here. Good to be at um, Fifth Avenue as well. And you could, do, you could get your hair done too, I reckon. I don't think there's anything... Just the sides. To, just the sides. <laughs> uh, who is the lovely lady painting the bleach on your hair at the moment? Hi, I'm Tegan. Tegan, looking after you. Now, talk to us about what you're doing, because this is a little bit to do with Ladies' Day. You've got a barnet that is relatively recognisable, but what are you doing with it, especially for Ladies' Day? Well, it's, it's actually worked out pretty much perfect timing for Ladies' Day. So at, down at Bedford Blues... If you're ever late for a meeting or something, we have a little thing called Hell Hole. And what happens is anyone that's late or misses anything or gets something wrong, you reach in and pull out a ball with a number on it. And then there's about 20 different numbers with different tasks that you have to do for whatever number you pull out. Things like uh, one minute performance in front of the team, sing a song, um, and pay a fine. There's all different sorts of things. The one I happened to pull out was um, Dye Your Hair. Just so worked out that it was on the week of the, the famous Ladies Day, which is a, a famous day down at Bedford Blues at Goldington Road. Um, so, you know, me and Gareth um, put our heads together and Gareth reached out to the lovely uh, crew here at Fifth Avenue. And we thought, well, if I'm going to have to dye my hair, why not do it pink for Ladies Day? And, uh, you know, represent this lovely place who are helping me do it and also you know, try to do a bit to raise some awareness for the, the great cause that, that is Ladies' Day. So here we are. You're hoping people will reach a little bit further into their pockets because you've got pink hair. Is that the idea? A hundred percent. I hope that people appreciate the um, probably strain on putting on my marriage with my wife and, um, you know, just the standout nature that I'm going to be walking down the street in um, Bedford and and the efforts that the lovely ladies and Tegan, the, the artist here, is going through to 
I think it's harder work than it seems to make pink here. We're yellow at the moment. I don't know if we've said on this um, interview, we're right in the middle of doing it right this moment. So currently we're yellow. We're working on getting pink, but let's see Saturday if we get there. <laughs> uh, let's talk uh, a little bit broader, if you don't mind, Grayson, because uh, you come to Bedford Blues um, and have landed, if you don't mind me saying, as though you've been here a long time. But you, you've, you've arrived this year and, and you bring with you a little bit of a, an experienced head. But of course, that has a story to it. Can you explain how you've ended up at Bedford Blues? Getting old now, I'm 31. So I've been around the traps for a fairly long time now. Um, so yeah, I was playing in uh, Scotland with Glasgow Warriors, um, had a little stint with Worcester Warriors and then um, was at London Scottish last year. Yeah, when the opportunity arose to come to Bedford Blues, I was like really, to be honest, I was actually a bit surprised and because I just felt, um, yeah, quite honoured that the club was interested in having my services and um, and I'd, I'd only ever heard good things about the club. It's a club, club that comes with a great reputation and as well my experiences playing against up Bedford at Goldington Road and away were always really, really positive ones. Um, and it just, to me, is a club with a real uh, real community uh, feel to it, real buy-in from the people of Bedford and it's a club that plays a good brand of rugby. So for me, like, I'm really excited to be at the club. There's a fair few Antipodeans who've enjoyed themselves at Bedford Blues and, and actually almost a fair few New Zealanders who have. Do you think that the club represents an, an element of the way that New Zealand likes to enjoy its rugby? And I don't necessarily mean the playing, I meant everything, you know, the yeah. club and everything that goes with it and the way that it attaches itself to the town. Would you, would you, would, would I be far from the mark with that? I, I think you're right on point there. Um, and it's something that's been really, really refreshing for me. Um, you know, coming, I'm sure many uh, sort of Kiwis and Aussies and maybe the South Africans would say that there's quite a, you have to adapt when you come to the UK, it's a different style of rugby and, and especially when you're maybe in some of these bigger clubs, it's a different to me feeling, it's much more of like, this is your job. And the thing about Bedford is of course like, we give our all uh, to get the results and represent the club well, but they're a big aspect of the culture is that enjoyment element and that sense of um, connectedness to the club to the team and to the to the supporters as well um so for me it's nice really refreshing to be part of a club that it's not just 23 players on the field it's you're part of the whole uh, collective um and that's just not 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 a cliche as well it's represented by you know things like this today things like the ladies day just the number of people that come along and support even when um, we signed the contract and we came through, my wife, Chelsea and I, to look at houses, like when people would ask, oh, why are you moving to Bedford? And we'd say, oh, coming to play for the Blues. People would really, they, they love the club. It's that apparent. So that's been really special. Um, and yeah, there is a, a real likeness there to uh, our, our view of rugby in New Zealand so it's, it's really nice yeah. As regards the position that you play and, and, and the way that you are the conduit you are the, the pipe aren't you between two sets of, uh, of, of two sides of the coin in rugby union do you, do you feel as though uh, that is something that you, you are still enjoying and growing into playing a night because it's well, talk to us about it it's a particular role isn't it it's a yeah. particular sort of part that you have to play in the whole machine one of my coaches now that you say it when I was a younger player once said to me so this is how I'd describe your position as a scrum half he said 
if you look at the, the number 10, he, he's the shepherd. He said, and you, you're the sheepdog. And the Fords, they're the sheep. <laughs> and if you think about it, like, as a scrum half, you're right in the mix and your line of vision is quite cluttered and everything has to happen very quickly. For a scrum half, your eyes and your direction a lot of the time is the fly half, who, who's the shepherd, who's steering the team around. And you're putting a lot of um, trust in his direction. And then what our job is to whip at the Ford's heels and get them moving in the right places and get them in the right direction. And I guess that's that's one way of describing it. But yeah, you're right. Like There's a lot of feeling. You have to feel out the game and, and sense where you're at in the moment. And um, there is... Uh, uh, quite a lot of decision making on your shoulders um, it's something that coming to play in the UK uh, I've had to evolve because to me there's a, there's a different style of rugby um, and, and a scrum house role in the UK perhaps more so in the southern hemisphere the game was all about tempo so the jobs to me was a little bit simply just literally getting there and whipping the ball away and if the guys weren't there like that's not your problem you know um, whereas here, you know, the elements, the weather plays a big part in it. Perhaps some of the size and mobility of some of the forward pack that you're working with uh, dictates it. And, you know, and, and I mean it's in the kindest way, but perhaps some of the skill level as well of the guys in the forward pack dictates how, how more so in the UK you have to be far more of a facilitator um, rather than just focusing solely on that tempo. Um, so that's been something that I've really enjoyed learning. And now coming to Bedford, it's a club that does love to play that tempo and throw the ball around. So now it's trying to like find the balance because pe- perhaps the previous clubs that I've played at have been more so really that facilitator role, that organisation, uh, maybe more setting up box kicks and getting forwards around the corner. Whereas here at Bedford, it's come more going back to the game that's natural to me. But now, but it's almost I've got to adapt back to that style as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been. I, I really enjoy that that freedom and opportunity to attack and play because to me that's what rugby is all about. And, and so, yeah, it's just learning back into that environment. As a scrum half, do you feel that you have an extra onus to get to know everyone in the team, in a sense? Do you, And is that something you're good at? I mean, I, I've seen you around the club and you're, you're pretty able to talk and, and communicate with other people. Is that something you've worked on? Is that something you, you sort uh-huh. of... Yeah. Or is that something that comes a little bit more naturally to you? Well, I... It's a funny one, like, it's a good question because to me, it's like what I've sort of come to see and it's almost like a life philosophy is like a lot of life just about connecting with people um, and being open to people and adapting and seeing from their perspective that perhaps it's different to yours but doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, you know, uh, and finding common ground. Something that I picked up really early on from uh, when I was a young player playing back in Auckland, uh, when I had the opportunity to play at the Auckland Blues at that time, there were some unbelievable uh, guys like All Blacks and stuff like that, guys I looked at as legends. And what I saw was a lot of the amazing things they were doing on the field, they had built those relationships at training. So whether it was a Ford who was hitting unbelievable lines back against the grain, he was having dialogues and conversations and training with his scrum half and his tent saying, hey, I'm going to come on this line, look for me. And he'd do it in training. And, and then you'd see it unfold on the field. So that's something that I've taken and learned and tried to bring into my game is say, because every team you go to, you have your overall structure of the game. But I, I think to uh, capitalise on that structure and find little holes and gaps in the defences 
a lot about relationships and understanding what guys around you like to do. So I always will try and build that uh, kind of dialogue with like wingers, centers and things like that and try to figure out what lines they like running and almost what triggers that they'll look. Some guys like to put a little hand up. Some guys like to give you a little like wink the phase before. So for me, I do, I think it goes a long, long way on the rugby field. And when you start to understand the guys around you, things happen more intuitively as well because rugby really is an intuitive game. So it's finding that balance between that clear-cut direction and communication and then that intuitive reading of the guys around you. So, yeah, it is a massive thing. As regards a start to the season, it hasn't been one of the best for Bedford, but I'm sensing there isn't a huge amount of panic at the moment and, and it's really about getting into it. We haven't quite started the championship season yet. Am I reading that correctly? Obviously, there's been disappointment from us. Um, like we we want to go out and give a really good performance for ourselves uh, because we all take a lot of pride in what we do, but just as much as that for the Bedford Blues community. Because um, one thing I've seen and I've really felt is we so appreciate the supporters and what it means to them. So we want to go out and play the right side of rugby and, and get the results as well. Um, but you are right, like we aren't panicked. It's, it's still very early and there has been a number of like leaders who have um, left from last season. So it is a bit of an opportunity for other guys to step up and fill into those roles and that may not have sort of been in more of that leadership role before. Although the results haven't gone our way, throughout each game we've really evolved and developed. So I'm hoping we really take that forward and then look to get some good results from that. I'm going to leave you with one final question and, and leave you to get your hair sorted there. Flapping around you at the moment, making sure the timing is right. But one final question is really about the town. You, you've come in, you, you, you live obviously in the town. Um, what's your favourite, what's been your favourite discovery of Bedford as, as a town? Oh, we've been, my wife Chelsea and I, we've been blown away. Like, we didn't know a huge amount about Bedford and we absolutely love the town. Um, like, we've found the people to be so lovely and Coming from London, um, what we've seen here massively is that there is, there's just that kindness amongst the people around you, you know, like the neighbourly um, friendships and like our first day and our neighbour baked us a cake um, to welcome us. Like we know all the neighbours surrounding us by name. That's been the thing that blows me away and we've got two little dogs. We absolutely love like being able to take them out for nice walks. And, Dogs seem to be very popular in Bedford. It seems like most people have a dog, so you end up connecting, meeting new people. And, and there's some unbelievable cafes as well. Um, for me, that's something that adapting to the British weather has been an essential, finding a nice cafe to get out the house on a day off and go and enjoy a good coffee. So um, that's been something I'm really impressed with. Um, so no, lovely people. Uh, it's a place to me that's got a great sense of community and um, yeah, it's just a good place to be. Grayson, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much and, and good luck this season and good luck on Saturday with your pink hair and I'll leave you in the capable hands of Fifth Avenue. Thank you very much. Uh, well, that is a pre-match routine. Lovely to hear from Grayson Hart there and uh, he, he's a man who's uh, more than willing to throw himself into the cause and his pink hair was looking just the part for Ladies' Day but um, it just makes me think and a question for both of you about sort of pre-match routines and, and the lengths that you go to to get yourself into gear for a match. I mean... I, I seem to remember, Pat, you might have dyed your hair as well. Um, did, uh, is, is that something that, that resonates with you, pre-match routines? I mean, is this something you, you get involved in? I wouldn't do 
dye your hair for every game. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think I'd have much left. Uh, yeah, dye my hair blue because why not? Uh, <laughs> is is there something that you like to do before every game? For me, I notice that I don't I don't time my laces before I get on the pitch every time, and I'll do a certain certain amount of stuff. It's, it's real petty, but I notice, notice I don't do it, and then I've got a certain amount of kicks that I do. But that's that's just me. That's what I've got to do before. I'm, I'm guessing Pat doesn't care. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure. I, I get from the facial expression he gave you. This. So strange. Yeah, do, no. you, do you have anything? Nothing. Literally nothing. Getting kicked on. Just. Oh, right. It's just whatever, however it goes. I mean, I like. I mean, I take a couple of box kicks. That's probably the only. But that's only because the nines like kicking them. So that's about. That's about it, really. You must have seen some pretty funny pre-match routines in your. Does anyone in the Bedford Blues camp have any strange pre-match routines? So, so I've noticed Dan Tem every time he runs out, the door toucher. To, yeah, he has to touch every every surface on the door. I, I noticed that. Oh. Yeah, a couple of weeks back, and he. Yes, to check one like real quickly as he's running out. That's, that's real ours. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm asking what. Okay, reasoning. Well, we'll have to get one and <laughs> yeah. see what he's up to. Uh, any other strange sort of pretty much not necessarily Bedford, but any any other strange people you've come into contact with? Because I, I understand. I mean, I played a little bit myself. I mean, there were some people who had some very strange superstitions. I, I had a, um, my captain at, at Parkbury, Tom Pash, would used to uh, religiously throw up for a game, and it was quite disconcerting. I think yeah, about fifteen minutes before kickoff when we come back in before I probably went warm up. And um, yeah, he'd be violently sick in the <laughs> in the toilets, which is quite off-putting. But um, but in a way, does it then become part of Harper's pre-match routine, yeah. waiting for him to be sick? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he wasn't sick one time, would it be like really strange? Yeah, I think that actually happened one time. He wasn't sick, and boys like, what? Tom, we're for you, mate. <laughs> Any weird and wonderful people that you've played rugby with? I can't think of anything in... Particular, I know, I've always said there's are people that I think James Pritchard used to put on socks in the, in a certain order. And I know this, I think Rich Lane does some has some weird, he always he has obviously the cut socks now because everyone has cut socks because you've got to wear the sticky socks and then and he he's very meticulous about how he tapes them and so they look just right on his calf. So yeah, apart from that, nothing too strange. I, I, I don't know about you, Sam, but I just get the impression that, that dear old Pat sits in the changing room shaking his head at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That is, uh, yeah, out and in as quick as possible. That's great. No nonsense. Fantastic. No, yeah. Really, really good. Well, look, um, boys, uh, good luck at the weekend. Uh, I hope uh, on behalf of the team it, it goes very well. Um, obviously, the love of the Bedford Blues fans goes with you wherever you go, and uh, and good luck. It's been really enjoyable talking to you. Uh, have you enjoyed the embankment? Very much so. It's nice environment. Nice I'll be sure to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will, Pat. Thank you very much indeed. That big thank you to Pat Tapley and Sam Leaming. Uh, this has been the Bedford Blues Podcast. Um, it's been very enjoyable. Thank you for having uh, us, and uh, we will see you on the next show. Thank you.